This is SR1. The Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. My name is Rob Carter. Welcome to SR1 Sundays on News Talk STL. What a world. I've got a stacked full house in the studio today. Want to have a conversation. Last week I did it solo. Every time I do one of those shows and I put out information that people have to digest, it really works with people that are interested in how, how everything in the world goes down. The connections between people. They're interested in the politics of politics. Those people love it. People who just want to, they don't want to think too much. They kind of want to get a, just a gist of the conversation. They like it when I am on a rant because it sends emotion through them. I'm always on a rant with what's going on in America. I think it's disastrous, the things that are happening. But I want to have a conversation about it because many people have many different opinions. I try to do a lot of research, connect people together, show you how the game is played. If you're just using your noggin just a little bit, if you don't want to use it, fine. But if you're trying to think through things, you're like, how does this person relate to that person? Then you see an outcome, and you go, maybe those guys are in a game together. So I tie all of those strings together, and I like to see how people absorb it, what their first opinion is of it. So I have a bunch of clips. I have some uh, information that I want to share, and I want to get inf- uh, get feedback. I got my buddy Barry in studio. He's been in here many times. We've been friends for 30-plus years. He follows along. You've been listening to my show from the very beginning, right? Three years? From the beginning, from, yep. So you know where I'm coming from. Almir uh, is doing my website, robcarter.com. It'll be up in the next 30 days or so. Because that's where we're going to share the information via video, uh, on social media. We are going to try and overwhelm people with information and try to garner debate. That's what I want. I want the debate. I wish I could talk to everybody and just have the conversation to see where they're coming from. I'm not afraid to be wrong at all. But what I see going on in the country is nobody wants to have a conversation for whatever reason, whether it be they're going to piss off somebody in their life, whether their work is going to be upset with them. They really just don't care. They've thrown their hands up to everything that's going on, and they don't want to talk about it. But you have to talk about it. When you see your country going down the toilet, you got to have a conversation, and you got to have people willing to have a conversation. So Almir does the website. He's doing robcarter.com. When, he, when I was introduced to Almir, he says, it tells me a great story about growing up in Bosnia during the war in the, what, early 90s? I think it was 92. 91. So I want to get into that conversation in just a minute. Let me also introduce you, uh, introduce the audience to Peter Pfeiffer. Peter Pfeiffer was alderman of Brentwood. You ran in the primaries. Uh, Josh Hawley ended up winning the primaries with Claire McCaskill, right? That's true. And I'm not going to, if you've got anything else planned, I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping to find out because I, I, when I talked to you the first time, uh, you are somebody that is very opinionated and very energetic. I love that about you. You you come off like a political version of me, which makes me wonder how far you're going to get because I want to tell people to shove it. And I think you do as well because you got, because the first time I talked to you, I could tell you're a little irritated with the way politics goes down, not only in the country, but right here in Missouri. So, Peter Pfeiffer, welcome. $33 trillion in debt will get anybody animated. It should get you a little bit irritated. And all of the other things that go on in this country, like the open borders and the inflation and the COVID shot in the arm by mandate, or you lose your job and your ability to travel, that was my red line. And that's some of the things that I want to talk about today is what is your red line? What makes you go, you know what? My country is doing that, and I don't like it, and I must organize myself. I must be vocal. I must stop being afraid and stop being so comfortable and get involved in changing the direction of your country because you might be comfortable now, 
But if they take your freedoms away from you, you're not going to be comfortable for very long. And certainly your kids and grandkids have things to worry about. So let me just start off with the big topic of the day, which is the Hamas attack on Israel. Uh, Because if you're going around and you're trying to figure out exactly where to go with that particular conversation, if you're on Twitter, there is a huge argument to be made that Israel is the bad guy. If you stay on there long enough and you look at the American press, you're going to find out that Israel is the good guy. Every Palestinian is a terrorist and we need to have war and we need to send $100 billion over to Ukraine and to Israel to fight it, according to Joe Biden. Now we're going to send $100 million apparently to Hamas. And I look at these things and I say the government, the United States and the global oligarchies around the world, whether you understand that or believe that doesn't matter to me. I'm telling you, there's global oligarchies that run the situation. They fund the both sides of everything. They fund the both sides of everything. And then you go, well, they just didn't know. It's like uh, somebody was just doing a podcast and they said, uh, let me think of who it was. But they said, why do they give money to Iran? And they said, well, it, it was Rand Paul. And he goes, well, I think it thinks they're going to be nicer to us if we appease them with money. Now, that doesn't make any sense to anybody. I don't think our politicians are as dopey and as stupid as people think. Are there dopey, dopey politicians? Of course. But I think at the top, the orchestrators of the numbers within the House, and we'll talk about the speaker's race later on, the people that orchestrate that game, the people that can buy off the prosecutors and buy off the House and the Senate, those people, in my opinion, are being orchestrated from above. So let me start with this one clip, and I want to hear what you guys have to say about it, and then we're going to get into your conversation with uh, about Bosnia and growing up in Bosnia. I want to hear that from you, Almir, because I think that's a great story, and it kind of ties into what I think the same kind of premise is what's going on with Israel and Hamas. These are information wars. You probably have a different perspective than what we did if we were following that war in the early 90s, and I'd like to get that from you. So if we can, let's start with this very first clip. This is this is about a this is about uh, when we were bombing Syria and all of the things that went on with Syria and Aleppo. If you remember that, that was a catastrophe, and many people don't even remember it. But this is a Canadian reporter. Uh, she's a journalist and an investigator, and she went on scene in Syria and got firsthand accounts of what was happening. That's not what we were be to- being told in the United States press. Not even close to what we were being told, and that is the problem that we have. We have no media. We have no journalism whatsoever, and nobody has any idea what's going on. So let's investigate these things just a little bit to see if we can figure it out. Uh, Clip number 5-8. It's a very long clip, so let's just play a little bit of it so you get the gist of it. She is refuting what somebody asked her about that was going on in Syria. She says, do you know this and do you know that? She starts giving all of the testimony and all the information that she has that is contrary to what we believe. Clip number 5-8. Why we shouldn't believe all these uh, absolutely documentable uh, facts that we see from the ground. International organizations on the ground. Tell me which ones are on the ground in eastern Aleppo. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you, there are none. There are none. These organizations are relying on Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is based in Coventry, UK, and which is one man. They're relying on compromised groups like um, the White Helmets, which let's let's talk about the White Helmets. The White Helmets were funded were founded in 2013 by a British ex-military officer. They have been fa- uh, funded to the tune of 100 million dollars by the U.S., U.K., and Europe and other states. They purport to be rescuing civilians in eastern Aleppo and Idlib, yet no one in eastern Aleppo has heard of them. Okay, that's good. You get the idea. There, we're talking about sending money over to people that are supposedly on the side of good. 
she goes on that goes on forever and she's talking about uh, bombs being dropped by people supporting America on Syria and that our government saying that it is terrorists that we're doing it. She says if you walk along the villages, the people that are living there and getting bombed, they don't think it's terrorists. This is firsthand accounts, and she goes on and on and gives you all of the information behind it. So as we start to decide whether we're pro, and I'm pro-Israeli people, I think we would all say we're pro-Israeli people, we're pro-Palestinian people, we're pro-the people. What I don't like is when the governments orchestrate war so they can strip us of a strip us of our money so they can fund these wars and they get the military contractors and everybody's making a fortune, uh, just like the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war. We could go on and on and on. Let me get this clip for, ready for you. One more before we start the conversation. This is 5-1. This is Matt Gates. Now, if everybody knows who Matt Gates is, he just said we need to get Kevin McCarthy out of there, vacated the position. Then we have Jim Jordan. He's going to be the next Speaker of the House, yet they couldn't get enough numbers to get him in past. So Patrick McHenry, who we talked about a little while back, he is going to be the temporary Speaker of the House. But here is Matt Gates earlier on when the Ukraine war was going down, talking about money laundering through the military contractors and what is going on in our country. Clip number 5-1. Go. I think that the reason we are as involved in Ukraine as we are is because Afghanistan wound down. And if we still had Afghanistan to launder money through, there probably wouldn't be the need for this type of excessive involvement in Ukraine. But I think we can look at Afghanistan and we can look at what's going on here and say what a lot of these defense contractors are pushing toward is how to have an extended kind of low yield war. Like if there's a way to turn, stretch this thing out, turn it into a 20, 30 year kind of thing where there's a whole lot of money moving around and unaccountable pots and a lot of weapons getting bought and then, oh man, the stockpiles, well, we got to spend more money to reload those. Everybody's telling you what's going on around you. But nobody is doing anything about it. We have another clip later on the show. We're going to talk about Woody Allen and some pedophilia stories that are out there with Whitney Webb. Whitney Webb is my hero as a researcher. She does what I do. She wrote two books. She has she has detailed the the acquaintances and the um, the agreements between people in power. Uh, with the intelligence agencies, uh, our politicians, the media, the corporations. She ties those things together, which is what I try to do, only obviously she's much better at it. Let me turn my attention to Almir, because I think that your story, when you were telling when I first met you, I thought the story that you told was fascinating. So you grow up in Bosnia, and when you're a very young child, give us a sense of what's going on as the war begins and the way you perceived it and how you got over to America. Just tell us the whole story. Uh, I was born in 84, so, uh, you know, a few years before the war started. So um, I was first grade, uh, just about a couple of months of finishing it up when it started, um, seven years old. And uh, as, as a kid, um, just wanted to play, wanted to you know, play with friends and, uh, you know, have a good childhood. What was life like at that time before the war? It was great. Okay, you go know, ahead. My family was good standing. My my dad was you know teacher professor. We we had a lot of land. You know very successful uh, businesses and everything uh, was destroyed. And give, give, you were telling me early, uh, earlier a story about being in your backyard when you first realized this war is going on and the planes coming over the top. Give us that story. Uh. Me and my sister, we were outside playing, you know, running around. Uh, we heard airplane coming from the distance. We tried to 
look for it. We couldn't see it. It was far away. But as it was approaching, we, kind of, we saw a small dot on, uh, in the sky. And then while the plane was um, kind of passing above our heads, we noticed uh, two smaller dots kind of approaching towards the ground. And as, as they were approaching, they were becoming bigger. And then we, my grandpa, my mom's dad, he ran outside when he, when he realized what's going on, he ran aside, he grabbed us and he took us inside. And then as soon as we got in, inside of the house, under, um, uh, uh, under some tables or whatever, we heard two big, bo big booms, big bombs fell close to our house. One, maybe quarter mile, and then other one uh, next, next village to ours. Um, a lot of people get killed and kids and houses destroyed. Now, is there anything that you had done or your family had done to be bombed by whoever was bombing you? No. <laughs> and could you possibly know when that plane's going over who exactly was bombing you at that time? No. There's no way to know these no, things, right? No so what happens is, is the media gets involved and they start telling you who did each and everything. If you've been listening to my show for a long time, and I think the reason some people get stuck with it is you got to follow along and it's, it's, it's like a, there's a lot of information to be had. I always play the conversation or the speech... Uh, that John Kennedy gave to the press club. And he talks about a parallel government having everything that we have. They have, a, they have, a, they have politics, they have ambassadors, they have scientists, they have uh, security, they have everything. And he is telling the press to make the American people aware of it. And then John F. Kennedy gets assassinated in broad daylight, and there's never really, even to this day, Donald Trump has not released the tapes on the John F. Kennedy assassinations, which he was obligated to do by law and didn't do it. And now Joe Biden isn't doing it. Who is, who do we count on? I mean, who is supposed to, if the president doesn't get it done, uh, when it's, when it's Trump, why in the world, 50 years after an assassination of a president of the United States, do we not have the information as a society to say, wait a minute, who did this? And Trump, and he went on with Roger Stone, Roger Stone is his political ally, I guess. So Roger Stone, he's doing an interview with him and, and Donald Trump says, you know, um, I was kind of advised not to release him at the time and this and that and the other. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's now running, says it's the law. It doesn't matter whether somebody advises you to do something. It's the law. You have to, He should have released them. And when I'm president of the United States, this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I will release that information. Can you think of any reason in a free country, because we're the freest nation on the world, so we believe, that an American president can be assassinated in broad daylight and 50 years later, our government doesn't think that we can handle who killed our leader, who killed a person that supposedly had the most votes to become president of the United States, the leader of the free world, and we still don't know? It seems crazy, does it yeah, not? It does. And then you, I, I want to get into the war scenario because I think what's going on between Palestine, the Palestinians and the Israelis is of biblical nature. I think it's being crafted and I think we're going to get drug into it. There is no war that America doesn't want to get involved with, either through money, through troops, you name it. But we love war. And it is getting time for it to stop. Ann Wagner, we'll talk about Ann Wagner, too. She votes for every war. She's right here in Missouri. But it's got to stop. Stick around. Segment number two. We got more. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. Carter Show.
Oh. This goes back all the way to, uh, I think, my first show. Remember this? Let it play out because I like it. Oh, yeah. Ain't it good? Ain't it right? That you are with me. This reminds me of driving in the car with my parents when I was a kid. You were probably out of high school already. Well, I was the driving theaters and stuff like that. <laughs> Peter, you're still sticking around? Are you ready to jump out the window? You know, the shag. I can feel the shag all over me. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, he's speaking of shag carpet, I think. That's correct. Yeah, of course you are. All right, Almir, let's get back to you. Let's get back and get serious here for just a minute. Um, you're telling the story about the bombing that goes on in your village, and I, as I always do, I interrupted you inappropriately because I want to make the point later on that there's a lot of similarities between not the necessarily the wars themselves, but the way they are reported and the anger that gets the, the it gets people going on both sides. They have an opinion on what they believe is reality, and then they want to fight to the nail based on what a media that lies to them every single day tells them. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on with our country? I think they're crazy. Anyway, so you this this happens, this, this bombing happens, and then how does your life begin to evolve as this war is going on? What kind of changes do you remember? How did it affect you? How did it affect your family? Just, just give me a sense. As the war is going on, how is your life? Uh, I mean, yeah, we uh, we, like I said, we have a, we had a good life, and then after the war, you lose everything. You know, your house, your your property, your uh, friends, a lot of friends. That died? Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, and then you, you just, you have to leave that place where you grow up, where your, you know, your, your, your parents and uh, your grandparents grow up. And basically, um, with no money, no anything, you just, move over the Atlantic Ocean and... Well, before that, though, when the war is going on, are you in a war zone? Are you... Once you realize what's going on, does your family move you out of there and that's the way you... No. no. We, so you're right I, there. I lived through through all of it. I, I seen, um, you know, military people um, fighting front lines. Um, we we spent weeks under underground in, in, a, in a bunkers hiding... Um, with, you know, no food, minimal water. And you're young. Yeah, seven years old. Trying to figure out what's going on in the world. I really... How frightening was it? I I really didn't even know what's going on. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, I didn't know what we did, what's going on, who, who, why are we fighting? Um, And and the the most interesting thing is that um, we've, you know, we're fighting or, or, or... the neighbors, as my dad told me uh, later on, is uh, the neighbors that lived close to us, that we uh, spent time with them, they came to fight us. They came and, you know, they wanted to get rid of us. They wanted to, you know, kill us for some kind of reason. Right. When, I, when, when the attack on Israel happened... If you were just watching the way the media and all of your friends and all of the conversations, because we're in the p- political world, so it, it, almost every conversation ends up with some uh, politics involved with it. The overwhelming um, uh, sense of anger that that had happened to the Israeli people focused on not just Hamas, but the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people and Hamas are two separate things. And people go, well, they voted for Hamas. 
right? They say, well, they voted for Hamas, so they must want Hamas. I don't think we voted for Joe Biden. So if Joe Biden starts a war, are they going to, and, and somebody starts dropping atomic bombs on us, do we go, hey, we're sorry, we didn't vote for Joe Biden, but come on, drop the bombs on us. Does that make sense? Am I, is it, the information is so distorted that when you, you get the anger going against Hamas and the Palestinian people for the attack on Israel, but then when you see bombs dropping on Hamas, everybody goes, what's for dinner? Because Hamas is in the same buildings with the Palestinian people. To your point, you didn't know that anything was going on. Your family hadn't done anything evil to, to, to have this injustice upon your, your village and your family. But it just these things just happen. And then you're, as a good person, who, as I know you are, you have people that hate you because of the propaganda, because they dehumanize Definitely. you. And that is what is happening in Israel with, with, the, uh, with Hamas and the Palestinians. I don't want to be a part of it as a country. I just don't want to be a part of it. And I don't understand why people are so willing to say, throw my money into a war that we don't understand. We have no idea what's going on over there other than what the lion media tells us. But let's throw all of our money and our weapons and let's just create more terrorists and more people that hate our guts uh, around the world. It doesn't make any sense to me. Ann Wagner loves it. I don't know if you know who Ann Wagner is. Ann Wagner is a congressperson. There, she, if there's a war of any sort, Ann Wagner wants to fund it. And I don't understand. And we got Blaine Luchtenmeyer who wants to send more money to Ukraine. We have several Republicans. And I'm going to get into your point of view on this in just a bit, uh, Peter. But to me, we have to stay out of these wars because we don't have any clue in the world what is going on because we don't have a press that gives us the information properly. We can't possibly know. We can't possibly know whether even what we're seeing on social media is true anymore because now there's fake accounts out there that show you fake videos. It's very difficult to understand it until you understand that it's a money laundering scheme, as Matt Gates was trying to explain. These are money laundering schemes, and because we don't feel the brunt of it, because as of Americans, nobody's bombing our villages, doesn't really hit home with us. We don't really feel or empathize or, or understand how, what, what we're doing to people. My point is, you go to war when you know that another country or something attacked you, but I don't think you can say we're allies with everybody in the world, then send out, mili- send out these CIA assets, if this is my opinion. You send out these, these rogue gangs around the world. They start trouble, and then they go, hey, America, we need some money for that. We need maybe $100 billion to get this baby fixed up. Can you send it over to us? doesn't make any sense. And it just goes on and on and on. And as Julian Assange said, who Donald Trump, who I'm no fan of, Donald Trump did not pardon Julian Assange. Julian Assange with WikiLeaks, that you can read his drops, he tells you everything that's going on within our country. Julian Assange said they want perpetual war. They don't want an end to a war. They want perpetual war because it's a moneymaker. Well, if your country wants to be in perpetual war, then I would think the citizens might want to get out of the perpetual war. I don't think in the end of the day, it's good for us. It's good for the world. It's good for anybody. And I love the fact that you can talk about it and have been through it because most people don't get to sit across from the table and say, what was it like when they were bombing your village? Most people don't get that opportunity. They don't, they don't know anything about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Amir. And that's, that's the reason why it's uh, uh, very hard to watch this war that's happening now because I lived through it. I know, I know how it feels. I know how hard is it. And especially, um, as you mentioned right now, um, me as an individual, I, I can do nothing about it. But the, the second thing is, yes, I'm paying taxes, and some of my money is helping. Right. So They're taking that, our money yeah, to that, fight wars that they create. All the, all the inflation starts to build up because we're spending money, out of, like Peter said, $33 trillion in debt. It's hurting us as we're 
embattled or uh, intertwined with all these wars, and now they're talking about another more money between Taiwan and China. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like we have a, a representative government to me. I just do not believe that this is what the American people want. I think when they rescinded the Smith Munt Act and uh, could propagandize the American people, I think the game changed. Um, I think you're seeing the result of it now. Nobody really has a clear understanding of, of what's going on. They just have their opinion and their belief, just like me. The only difference with me is I'm just trying to say, look, if, if I'm wrong, where are the people that want to debate me? Where are they? Let's debate. I want to, want to be wrong. I'd like to wake up tomorrow morning and think everything's going to be hunky-dory, and I can go play golf and have a great day. That's what I'd like to be doing. But instead, I'm studying 14, 15, 16 hours a day trying to figure this stuff out and then talking to somebody who's never looked at anything but Fox News for a couple minutes, and then they, got a, uh, they read the Washington Post, and they're telling me what's going on. I can't take it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so after the war ends, you end up coming to the United States. Just very quickly tell that story because you came here without even knowing the language and have been you had a nice, successful life over here. So just it still is the greatest country in the world. I just wish we'd get our act together is what I'm trying to say. Definitely. I agree with you. Uh, a lot of opportunities uh, for everybody. Uh, and that's the reason why we came here. Um, you know, this country opened their doors to us and um, provided us with opportunities. Uh, we, we did have to, you know, we didn't have to come here, but we decided to. Um, we, we did came here without anything. Um, my dad maybe brought $200 in his pocket. And how did you survive? Um, we families. No, I mean we had we had a lot of families here, but like I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, we came here with the help of Catholic Charities organization here. They provided us with uh, you know um, some furniture, some you know apartments that they didn't give us money. They f- they help us out find jobs and you know stuff like that. Uh, so I started. Uh, when I when I came here, I was, I was 17 years old. Not a word was, of English, you told not, me. Not a word of English. Uh, and the funny thing is, when uh, when um, uh, I started school, I was 11th grade, at Soldan High School down at uh, <laughs> yeah. Delmar. Love it. And I I was so excited because I wanted to ride in a bus, in a yellow bus, you know that that, I, that we we have seen in movies. Uh-huh. And um, you know, first day of school, we, we were so excited when we came down. Of course, the area and all that, but I didn't know. I didn't expect that to, for school to have metal detectors and uh, you know security guards, and you know you have to they tap you. Right. Do you have any guns? Right. Do you have any? You know, and the new that, America. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to me, I, I didn't expect that because you know we this country was presented to us. Yes. You know, land differently. of the free and home yeah. of the brave. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know we. I finished high school, uh, finished college for um, IT, and uh, today I, I own my own IT business. And it's uh, that's why it's the greatest country in the world. That is true. I, this is the reason I am so – I wear a shirt that says freedom all the time. I love this country so much. I, my family had no money. My mom was a, uh, drove a forklift when I was a kid. My father was, uh, re- uh, was an alcoholic. He was recovering as I was going through my teens. We had nothing. I started working when I was 12 years old. But I always had the idea that if I worked hard, I could have anything that I wanted in America. I never thought that anything was going to, going to block me from getting to where I wanted to go. I could change professions. I could change whatever I wanted to do. But in America, I had the opportunity to be what I wanted to be and do what I wanted to do. So I, the reason I'm so invested in what I'm doing is because I love the country. 
I love the country, and I think that our country has been hijacked by a bunch of criminals. In fact, I know that it has, and I believe it happened, the beginning of it happened after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. But you can see by the way these people are, are guiding our country, where you've got these transition surgeries, and you've got all the racial strife, and you've got all of the money being spent for wars all over the place. You've got them sticking a needle in your arm for COVID when anybody who was paying attention to it from the very beginning knew that was a bunch of nonsense. Not nonsense. Now they want to uh, start taxing you for global warming and, and climate change. So to me, these are all cons by our own government that are there to represent us. And the biggest problem I have, and that's why I wanted Peter here today, we'll have Peter in the very next segment, is because I don't think you can vote your way out of it. You know, um, who was it? It was uh, Ken Paxton was just on with um, uh, Steve Bannon just recently. And he said, well, explain to me how Texas was in jeopardy. Why did they impeach you down there in Texas? Because Steve Bannon goes, I didn't even know that was going on. And I reported on this show from the beginning, and I said, how can people in this country not know that the attorney general of Texas is being, uh, he's being impeached. They want to get rid of him because he was telling everybody the elections were this close, an inch from being stolen down in Texas. And then his own party wants to impeach him. Same thing that Bill Igel, the Missouri governor said when I interviewed him here, he said there are Democrats posing as Republicans in the Missouri legislature. That's the same thing that's going on in D.C. So when you see we have 224 Republicans and 202 Democrats, B.S. You've got way more Democrats than that. This is a one-party system with the illusion by these clowns up in D.C. that it's two. That is the problem that we have going on. And I think with the way they gerrymander, that's what um, I want to talk to Peter Pfeiffer about, the way they gerrymander the, the districts here in Missouri, uh, the way they, uh, they can alter the machines. You've got both sides of the aisle. If it's a lie, then both sides are lying. They said they can alter the machines, the, the voting machines. No voter ID in half these states. You got motor voter registration. You got uh, voter rolls where there's more people than there are citizens. And you have millions of people crossing our border. How could you possibly have an election where the people's voices are heard? So if they're stealing elections and we can't vote our way out of it, where do the people that are causing all of this turmoil, where do they want to take it? Right? Because if, they, if, if they've got good intentions... And this has always been my argument with Trump. If you got good intentions, you don't look into the camera and say, go get your vaccinations. I, have, I don't know anything about them. There's no study that I've read personally or any of my assistants have read because there aren't any. But go out and take those vaccinations from Pfizer that's been sued for billions of dollars for lying about the effects of their drugs. There's no person with, a, with any sense at all that would say that that's okay. And there's certainly no leader that would say that that's okay because you don't know what the effects are going to be because as Donald Trump said and everybody that supports him says he's not a doctor my fear is that we're getting to a situation where you can't reverse it and if Donald Trump is not the guy if Donald Trump is the one that everybody's putting their hopes in because they don't think they have to do any groundwork they don't have to get their fingers dirty they don't have to do anything I think that we are in I think we're in jeopardy of losing our freedoms drip 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 until there's nothing you can do anymore. It's all over. Stick around, everybody. Segment number three. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. Rock me gently. Rock me slowly. Take it easy. Don't you know that I have never been loved like this before? Baby, baby, rock me. SR1 Sundays. The Rob Carter Show.
everybody. Welcome back. I've been told I'm talking too much. That was Rob on upright bass, by the way. I have to open up the floor just a little Slapping. bit. Slapping. Peter, I got to bring you in. I brought up election theft. Uh, I don't know how far you want to get into it, but when we spoke the first time, when we were in here and you and I had a conversation, you were explaining to me how the uh, gerrymandering works and how important it is when you're determining who's going to win any particular race. Can you just kind of walk me through what you see as, uh, I don't know if the word is crooked, but it certainly sways the game in one direction. Can you just give me an idea? Give the, give the voters who have no idea what gerrymandering even means how that works to somebody's benefit. Well, in our Republican supermajority here in the state of Missouri, um, right now we have six Republican districts and two Democratic districts. And it's been that way for a very long time, the 6-2, the 6-2. And you heard them talking about during redistricting, some guys were talking about, hey, we need a 7-1 map. And hallelujah, we won, the spoils go to the victor, right? Well, that wasn't necessarily so. The 6-2 guys won out over the 7-1 guys. And that was all Republicans. So explain that real fast. So the, the six uh, or the 6-2 guys won over the 7-1. Right. Correct. So, uh, so explain exactly what that means, though. Slow it down, because I don't think people know what gerrymandering actually means. And how are you talking about six two in the state of Missouri? There are eight representative seats for the state of Missouri. There are the U.S. House representatives per population. Each district has approximately seven hundred and seventy thousand people in each district, and. You know, typically districts, you know, you would think about your neighborhood and you would talk about uh, a zip code. You would talk about a town. You wouldn't divide them up for um, uh, a vote. Can I just jump in real fast before you go any further? So what you're trying to explain is there's eight districts in Missouri. The supermajority of Republicans that were voted in by the voters of this state could draw and gerrymander it up to make it 7-1 so that there would be only one Democrat in the House representing Missouri, but instead they gerrymandered it so it would be 6-2 so there would be two Democrats in the House of Representatives in D.C. Is that what you're saying? Still two Democrats as opposed to seven Republicans and one Democrat. Isn't that interesting? Now, at first glance, I would say there's some corruption going on there because if the voters have voted in a certain way and the to the victor goes the spoils, mm. you can write, because the Democrats aren't so nice. So if you have all of that information before you, you would think that the gerrymanderers would want it to be 7-1, so we send seven Seven Republicans to DC, right? You would think. Okay, so I, mean, I just want to make sure people majority. understand. It. I just want to make sure people How understand. How does six it. two beat seven one? That's a great question, and uh, you know you have other folks that were um, involved on a, on a day to day basis at, uh, in Jefferson City that uh, will will be better apt to explain it than I. Uh, I'm definitely an outsider looking in, but it sounds like you know they they didn't have enough um, leadership in Jefferson City to drive that the spoils home. We won. We delivered a supermajority as Republicans in the state of Missouri, and we did not get a 7-1 seat. We deserve that 7-1 seat. We voted for that 7-1 seat. We got a 6-2 uh, representation. Who do you think that is, the primary responsibility falls on? Who? Governor Parsons? Well, there was, there was a committee, obviously. You know, they, they divide it up and, you know, they, they push everybody to the side and uh, a few people get together. It's a, you know, we're, we're getting into the weeds real fast. And I, I didn't do as much studying on this in particular as I should have <laughs> as we're talking about this. But the, the bottom line is, is that a, a few people that had their, their hands on the levers did not do what they were supposed to do if we indeed do have a supermajority of Republicans in the state of Missouri. 
very interesting to me. That's uh, why does nobody? Why is nobody held accountable for that? I mean, if you're, if do, do you think the people of Missouri have any idea that's going on? How many people in Missouri, for example, do you think know that the that Missouri first of all has a super majority, and number two, that they didn't redistrict so they could have a seven one? And again, it's just very simple: send seven uh, Republicans to D.C. Instead, they send six. Why in the world, with all of the strife that's going on in the world, we basically have a political war going on between the Republicans and Democrats on TV. But it appears by what you're telling me, that it's in Missouri there's not a political war going on because they'd make it 7-1 if there was a war going on. So right now, they're glad-handing with the Democrats to give them an extra seat in D.C. And wouldn't somebody, wouldn't one journalist in, a, in, in Missouri say, who made this decision and why was this decision made? That's what oh, journalists Rob, used you're not, to do. you're not interested. I'm very you're interested. You're not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I, you're interested. I don't know if your <laughs> listeners are interested. And I think that that's the big problem is that you know there there's little interest in it, or at least that's the perception. I'm very interested in it. You're very interested in it, and maybe your listeners are very interested. Mine are. Are, are the voters very interested? And and I really don't think that uh, the the media, if you want to call it that, does a very good job of disseminating useful information. They much rather see you and I fight in the street. Then, then participate in our democracy. Somebody is getting some kind of kickback uh, on the Republican side. Well, I agree side. with you. There is a reason why we don't have a 6-2. What is that reason? I don't know. Why don't we have a 7-1? We did our job. We voted in a super majority of Republicans in the state of Missouri, and we got stuck with the 6-2 map. What changed? Nothing changed I as love far as our representation. Up. I love it. I love when you get fired up because you're right. This is stuff that people have to be interested in in order to change it. But you know what? why they're not interested? Because they don't know. That's exactly right. They don't know. You don't have a press and you don't have any journalistic credentials here in the state of Missouri to get out there and say, what about this? And what about that? Well, and, and if, you got a, if you got a bird, that's a great thing for the Post-Dispatch. But other than that, no one no one looks at that thing. Right. Exactly. But I'm just saying, in general, it should be on TV every morning. Absolutely. Every every five o'clock. Say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter who you, uh, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. This state voted so that we should have seven Republicans in the House of Representatives in D.C., but for some reason there was a deal made between the Republicans and the Democrats to alter that from 7-1 to 6-2, and now we have a very close House in D.C., and you're seeing what's going down with the Speaker of the House race. A- absolutely. I would encourage anybody to look at that map and look at uh, the 1st District, the 2nd District, and the 3rd. It's almost concentrical circles around how, how they wrap around each other. It's really an odd-looking thing, and that was done by the committees in Jeff City. So there, there's a reason why we don't have a 7-1 versus our, our current 6-2. And I don't know what it is, but we should find out. If I were to ask one person, or if you could give me one person to ask, would you give me that name? Well, I'm sure Bill Eigel was right in the middle of it. He knew what was going on. He may know why. Bob Otter was also one of those guys that was, you know... I've a, been trying a, to get him on the show, by the way. He's a 7-1 guy and he was fighting it yeah get bob on the show i think he was a huge 7-1 proponent and we got he'll, he'll know he'll know where the bones are buried on the 6-2 versus the 7-1 uh nick schroer might know why i mean those guys were fighting and i appreciate the fight in those guys me too and, and i really do think they 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 brought it forward and they they entertained not only entertained but they informed a lot of people that's exactly right see that's the thing with politics you don't necessarily have to win all the time. I make the I, I kind of am, am duplicitous in the way I see this. I don't like people that are all talk and don't get anything done. For me, if you're gonna tell if you're telling me when you become a senator or a congressperson, this is what you intend to do, uh, that's fine. But if you tell me that's what you're gonna do, 
and then you don't do it, to me, you're a failure. I don't care how much talk you got. If you can do it, you can do it. If you can't and there's an obstacles, then ask the voter to clear those obstacles to get to where you need to go. Well, they were given a mandate. Super majority. And what do you do? You squander it. Again, we're locked into the 6-2 mentality. When it was very clear, the public said 7-1 is great. Amen. Amen. I was here for the Bill Igle show, and he made mention that there's some rhinos there. But see, I think when people say rhinos, in their mind, they think moderate Republicans. That's what, when you talk to a Republican voter, that's what they think it means. I'm, instead of calling them rhinos, say they are Democrats right. calling themselves Republicans. Yeah. And there is money behind them to get them elected so that these numbers can be orchestrated in D.C. and everybody gets cover. When this Speaker of the House race came out, and it was for Jim Jordan, one of the first reports from uh, mainstream press was that Ann Wagner was one of those people that was going to vote against Jim Jordan, right? That's correct. But she needs cover. Ann Wagner's not on, she's on shaky ground, if you ask me. When you ask people around Missouri, my friends at least, you ask about Ann Wagner, they don't even know what she's doing or what her role is. They just know that she's voting for war every five seconds. Um, And I think that's the way... uh, Bush-era neocon, no doubt. Bush-era neocon, exactly right. So... I don't think people recognize that the game is being rigged in the sense that um, if you call yourself a Republican and you are um, you are at odds with what the Democrats are doing, then you take every advantage that you can possibly get, and we're not taking advantage of that. Nothing could be more clear than what's going on with the Speaker of the House race right now with Jim Jordan. If they're going to turn this thing over to Patrick McHenry, and I'll just give you some background on Patrick McHenry, because one of the topics that I like to talk about is... Elaine Chow with Mitch McConnell. Okay, now if I'm looking, she's at she's not Chinese, is she? She's Chinese, and her she has a the the family has a ton of money. They're Do they have any to, boats or anything like that? They have some boats. They ship a lot of goods from the CCP, and this attractive uh, Chinese woman is married to a guy that is he's completely full of BS. His nickname is the Turtle because he's not a very handsome fellow. Cocaine Mitch. Cocaine Mitch. <laughs> yes, yeah, cocaine Mitch is a big part. He of it goes too because on that's, pause too. That's the Elaine Chow situation. Now he goes on pause, exactly, so he freezes up when he's talking. But you look at that situation and you go, how does if, if this is a, a system where the Republicans are really at war with the Democrats, why do we got, have a guy like Mitch McConnell, right, in, in, in his position, because he really just wants to fund wars too. And then when you run over to the House, you have a situation where uh, the people that run it always have just enough numbers to where they don't have to get anything done. Done Because Donald Trump, he had the House and the Senate for two years, right? That's so true. I, I look at that and go, wait a minute. I made a bunch of claims. The citizenry gave me the House and the Senate and the White House for two years. And all I really did was make the corporations very wealthy, cut taxes, and then took it away with inflation when I drove in COVID. That's the way I see it. I don't want to get off into Donald Trump just yet. I got more for him later on. I can't help myself. Donald Trump is a Donald Trump. Here, here's the thing that, that frustrates me the most with Donald Trump right now is he's not debating. I, I look at this as a, a time, you know, Phil loves to do the William Buckley. Uh, he shows me, he educates me all the time with William Buckley and the conversations that he had back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. He would have these long form conversations where people could get informed. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, he's got a record. He's got people that want to challenge him on his record. And he says, well, they're so dopey and I'm so up in the polls that I don't have to do it. If he can't beat those people, if the, the Republicans that are running, if he can't beat them, then he shouldn't be president. He should debate them to inform the American people of what's going on and what he's going to do differently 
when he gets back into the White House. I'm not going to be argumentative with you, but I will say, you know, to have his own presentation at the same time as the debates, I think, you know, that that's pretty good. And uh, as far as as far as getting a message out and and delivering a message at the same time as a debate, obviously sticking his, you know, his finger in somebody's eye regarding, you know, uh, viewership. But, uh, but he was sticking needles in, in their arm about two years before that, uh, and he hasn't answered for that. There, there's, there's several questions with Donald Trump, and I'll, you know, I'll open it up to you, and I'd be curious your opinion. He uses WikiLeaks and goes out and gives speeches one after another and says, WikiLeaks, 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 and he's reading WikiLeaks drops. And then he doesn't pardon Julian Assange. He doesn't pardon the people that were uh, uh, framed, not all of them, but some of them, on January the 6th. Neither one of them. Um, he... Uh, told us to go out and get vaccinated. He said he was going to limit or, or, or eliminate the debt. He added $8 trillion to it. I would ask, what's going on? And there are people that have told him, like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that would be a great debate because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says that he told, told Donald Trump about what was going on behind the scenes, right? And Donald Trump didn't know anything about it. Nobody told him. Nobody said, "Hey, listen, you're you're putting your you're putting your administration in the hands of Darth Fauci." It's a secret club, man. You don't know the handshake. That's my you point. don't know what's going on, and it's hard to explain it. You know, how do you tell somebody everything you're seeing is not so? It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I thought this would be a little bit easier. I really did. Um, but well, it's a lot easier than than leaving my homeland and going to a country where I don't speak the language. This is pittance you know uh, if Baldwin were bombed who knew you know and Canada was telling me I'm now part of Canada or Mexico was telling me I'm now part of Mexico I don't know man I don't know that I don't know that pain I don't know that struggle so Almir my hat's definitely off to you sir the first thing I said when I met him I'm like that is such a fascinating story because we're so comfortable in this country mm. and I think the the, the 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 problem with comfort is that you um, I think it's beyond comfort it's lazy it's lazy there it's it apathetic is. you become docile and you don't really take your government back in your hands because we can take our government back. But we're supposed to trust our government. They tell <laughs> us to trust them. And we do. And we do. And you know what? We, we, are, we are more stupid for it. Yes. Yes. Because you can see the corruption every day on your televisions. And, you know, I, I talked about the Smith-Munt Act earlier. Mm. If the politicians passed a law that says the State Department and the military and the press can lie orchestrate lies propaganda to the american people isn't one reporter going to ask anybody that's running this country why do we have the patriot act and why did you rescind the smith month act wouldn't one person ask that question you you would think but they'd have to read that stuff you're reading i'm glad you're reading it rob (laughs) stick around everybody we got more we got a a great roundtable conversation in hour number two we'll be right back All right, everybody, welcome back. Hour number two. Weaving in some conversations about Israel and Hamas, the Speaker of the House, the gerrymandering in Missouri. We got a lot of topics on the table. I I do it. Just everything that's on my head, I want to get out there, but these things tie together at some level. Uh, Peter... When you watch what goes down 
for the Speaker of the House. What is your impression of what you see there? Because it doesn't make any sense to me that Jim Jordan couldn't get enough votes for Speaker of the House. And I guess they're going to turn this over to Patrick McHenry. Uh, and he's going to be the temporary speaker until January. I think this is what's going to happen now. What is your take on what you see there? Do you see just more of what you see around the country? Or am I crazy to believe that this is kind of an orchestrated deal? Because, and I'll, let me set this up for you for just a second. The Republican uh, voters were getting out in front of their, uh, their representatives and saying, why is Joe Biden not being investigated? Why is Hunter Biden not being investigated? Why are people not being held accountable? And then all of a sudden, Gates comes in there. We pull out Ke- Kevin McCarthy, so now he he's not to blame. He, you know, he's the guy that got ousted. We can't get Jim Jordan in there, so now we're going to have Patrick McHenry. And I'm going to guess it just all goes away like it always does. How do you have a functioning government where there's a class of people that are never accountable for anything if we don't have one party or the other that's willing to make it happen? You know, that's a great question, and. It, it, I would say the best thing that happened during this whole um, speaker issue is that they do respond to phone calls. Um, Our representative here in the second congressional district of the state of Missouri, Ann Wagner, I I think she got a couple, maybe a couple thousand phone calls. She changed her mind. Oh, yeah. She changed her mind, but then the more people added to the other side, so they made sure they had enough numbers. Well, I'm curious uh, whether uh, after after the public vote, they had their private vote. Right. And I wonder how she voted in that private vote. I'd, I'd, I'd give odds that she voted against them right. in private and on an anonymous ballot. Right. We'll never know, of course, and she'll never cop to it. She will never be honest about it. None of them will be. But what it does is it sets up, you know, I was, I was, I was humored by Hakeem Jeffries talking about how dis, uh, uh, dis, discombobulated the Republican Party is. And, well, uh, wasn't it 100% of the Democrats that voted to get rid of Kevin McCarthy? Uh-huh. Well, uh, they're complicit as well. So the Uniparty really did shine shine brightly but i do also believe that it was it was nice to see that pressure of the voters of the constituents made a difference now it's not going to last very long because you know we're all you know very busy trying to feed our family and take care of our own selves survive survive and they know we're going to forget about it so the the show was a bright flash in the pan it's going to go away and the uniparty will continue slogging along because you're going to be hungry and stupid and they're going to send money for these wars, there's not going to be any pushback on it again, because Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan was saying he was going to cut back some Absolutely. of the funding and the money. Thirty-three trillion dollars in debt. Hey, who holds the purse strings in Washington D.C.? Congress. Didn't you learn that in high school and preschool and K through twelve? Right. Congress. I was hoping there wouldn't ever be a Speaker of the House. That way they couldn't fund any more wars. That, I forgot to mention the other bright spot right now. Since we don't have a Speaker of the House, they're not spending money. Right. That, that was the one good thing that came out of it. So do you believe, as I do, though, so when you say the constituents, like Ann Wagner's constituents are conservative. I would imagine that she got a lot of phone calls because Jim Jordan is a hero in the conservative movement and speaks very eloquently, takes everybody to task when they come before him uh, in the House. Uh, do you think that she is? Uh, do you think she just pulls her name because there's five more behind her that are coming right down? So they make sure that their numbers. They make sure Jim Jordan's not going to be the House Speaker, and they just find out people that can get enough cover to get away with it. She was not getting enough cover. Again, you're she talking about that off. secret handshake. But then, don't you think that's what goes on? Do you think they just you fix the numbers? You absolutely know the the. Yes. they know the count before it happens. Of course, that's that's my point. 
you know, they're 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 rigging the outcome of this, regardless of if Ann Wagner was against them in the beginning, she gets pressure, but it doesn't change the game because then they just got a few more people. They say, okay, well, you need to vote against Jordan well, here. You, you so vote see, against them. you see some changes in the party, and you know, people say, oh, the the Republicans are are just you know they're they're not unified. Well, no kidding, because we actually have debate. We talk about stuff. We fight, and at the end of the day, we take something to the table. At the end of the day, we get a seven-one map and the oh no we don't we get a six two but getting back to the speaker they know what's going to happen but they're becoming less certain they don't control the message there's more people out there on x or twitter or whatever where the information is coming uh quickly and rapidly and people are getting informed the, the people that want to be informed are informed that i agree with that i agree with i think that one of the great things that happened because you know, when people say, Rob, don't you think Donald Trump did anything good? I'm like, listen, I was I was a cheerleader for the guy for uh, for four years. I think he did a lot of things that were good in essence. One of them was exposing what we're seeing. If he did anything that is really substantial in the country, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not talking about the taxes and the Abraham Accords and all the things that he he did that will, you know, they eventually get flushed down the toilet. One thing he did for us was he showed the American people what was going on in D.C., he showed them how corrupt it was. He showed them how the game was played, and it woke up a lot of people around the country. What I notice is I have a when Donald Trump was running for president, um, I was very, very loud in support of Donald Trump. Cost me a lot of relationships. Cost me a lot of cost me an enormous amount of turmoil in my life. Um, so I'm I want him to be on the side of good. I just think that the most important thing that he did of all of the other things that, we, that everybody brings up was waking people up. Because my Democrat friends that I used to argue with and fight with now are much nicer to me when they start to recognize when the Democrats got control, it became an absolute chaotic mess. You know, the contrast bringing the contrast to light versus, you know, you know, you, you look to Washington and it, it's, it's mealy mouth and you, you, you get what you expect, which is very low. Our expectations out of Washington are low and we get very low return on it because you know what? Somebody got up there and said, no, we don't have to do it this way and didn't do it that way. And the contrast was clear and things stopped being so bad. And we raised the bar on our expectations out of Washington. And actually that was a good thing. Great thing. That was that was the best thing of, of all the things that have happened over the course of the past six years. Having a populace that is beginning to be somewhat interested in the scam that's going on before them, uh, I think is a good thing because maybe the next thing that we need is a leader to motivate people to to take action. Because here in Missouri, I think that the elections are relatively safe. I don't think that we have been overcome with some of the ploys. I brought up Ken Paxton earlier. Barry, I'd be curious to see what you think about this. So Ken Paxton, you've been following my story with him for a while. Ken Paxton is the attorney general of Texas. His own party tried to impeach him. He just went on with Steve Bannon, and he explained how they steal the elections. He said that he had lawsuits all over the place trying to stop it from happening. And what happens is, as he calls them, Soros prosecutors get into these areas within the state. And when there's election fraud that comes to light, they take it before these Soros prosecutors and they ignore it. Very similar to what happened in 2020. We couldn't get a judge to hear anything about the elections, despite the fact that I don't think many bright people, and I'm not saying that Democrats didn't vote for Joe Biden, but there is no way that that man got 81 million votes, 13 million more than the most popular Democrat of all time, Barack Obama, if you follow, if you follow politics closely enough. From his that, basement. That, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. The guy, nobody really ever liked Joe Biden. He would run for president multiple times, couldn't get any support whatsoever. Everybody that knows, knows the 
the stories about him plagiarizing. He stole one of his best friend's wives. That's how he married Jill Biden. If you haven't heard that story, it's a crazy story. Um, you see the hair sniffing. You hear the. You see the money laundering schemes with Ukraine. The corn pop stories. The you know I've got my leg in the pool and the kids used to pull up the hair and it turned <laughs> blonde on the way down. I mean the guy is a buffoon. So you know that he didn't get 81 million votes. But once they once they stamp it, and they say Joe Biden is the president of the United States, we have to live with it with no recourse. We have to live with it with no recourse. Not one judge heard the story before the, they said they didn't have any standing, so they couldn't hear the story. I watched them. I watched hours and hours of the testimony before the state senates. There was something going on with the election. When people are sure. telling you that ballots are stacked this high, that are being counted as mail-in ballots, and there's no envelopes and the and the, the the sheets are flat, then somebody was printing off illegal ballots. And I can't imagine that if one person saw it, that there weren't hundreds of people that seen it. That's election fraud. And if we have election fraud going on in our country and we see what these people are doing in D.C., they're starting wars or they, they're running every con in the world on you. What in the world make us think that our elections are safe? I don't even understand where people are coming from. Um, I think it's a bureaucracy that runs the country. I think they, he gets his marching orders and he reads whatever he's reading, which I don't think that should be going on in the greatest country in the world. And I think the best way to get out of it is to vote our way out of it. I just think that if, but if you got to have fair elections, if we have if Governor Parsons in this state, if you have state governors that aren't talking about election fraud with all of the information that is out there, then I don't think they're really on your side. They're trying to con the game for themselves. What we need is for our leaders to come out and give us a strategy to have fair, free and honest elections. That's it. It cannot be that difficult. I've said it a million times. If you can put a craft on Mars, you can have a safe, verified and legal election if if they want them, if they want them, if they want them there in therein lies the story. You talk about 33 trillion in debt plus two trillion a year in interest right now. And then it goes to a vote to raise the debt ceiling when we were going broke. And, and what do they do? They got a bipartisan agreement to remove the debt ceiling. That means they can print whatever they want. How can the Republicans ever go for that? That's a great question. It really is. And, you know, that's one of the animating features of, of politics these days for me is that we're $33 trillion in debt and the House of Representatives has the purse strings. How can the Republicans hold their heads up? How can they say they're Republicans? How can they say they represent me? You know what? I, I, they, they are lazy. They're the ones that are, lay, you know, are, are stupid and hungry. It's too much money to ever get square. Ever. Well, I, I, I don't think so. I'm an optimist. So I'll say we can, we can square that. <laughs> You'll see a collapse first. We can square that. I, I think I, I, we're on the road to collapse. There's no doubt about it. If we're 122% of GDP, I think that's where we're at right now. That's, that's Greek. I mean, it's, it's Greece. We can't do that. It's not sustainable to, to throw a buzzword out there. But um, <laughs> I, I do think that that we can turn it around and we have to utilize the system that's out there. Hey, we're the greatest country in the world. 250 years, these guys with long hair and white wigs and powder in them and ribbons and all these guys, they got together and they made the greatest constitution on the face of the planet. We can pull our bootstraps and we can get this done. We still have the greatest system on the planet and we can do that. We have to use the system we have. Otherwise, we're going to be in the street killing one another. Amen. That's where we're at. We need to I use agree. the system where we're at. But $33 trillion in debt is ridiculous and no Republican 
Republican can come to me and say, oh, you know, I've, I've been doing a great job. Absolutely not. Forget about it. $33 trillion in debt. There are 435 members of the House of Representatives. That means in the last, I don't know, the last 10 years, $14 trillion of debt's gone up. That means each of the members, including Ann Wagner, is responsible for $32 billion. Each one of them, $32 billion of our debt. That's ridiculous. They like to come up with the figure and say, yo, you, it's, uh, you're, you, you owe $225,000. You and your family and your children are going to owe that. What are you talking about? Quit spending the money. Let's not drill for oil here. Let's not burn our coal. Let's make sure China gets our coal and uh, and uh, we, we sell China our um, petroleum reserve, our strategic petroleum reserve. Right. Let's, let's sell that off. We don't need that either. It's, it's completely backwards. There's absolutely no, we're not doing for ourselves. The government is not doing for itself what we have to do for ourselves every day. Right. They don't have to work. That's the problem. They don't appreciate money. It's not theirs. They just keep getting paid no matter what. But we do have to vote our way out. I'm, I'm with you. I think you have to. The system is structured so that we can fix our system as, as citizens. The problem is nobody in the country knows what's going on because there's no journalism. If journalism was was real and the, the, um, the American people were alerted to what was happening in this state and in this country, if they really understood what was going on, it would be way more fascinating than Netflix and all the nonsense that people watch. What's going on in the country is, this is a biblical time of what's going on in the world. The idea that you would let 20, 30, 40 million people, how many people are in this country illegally? How in the world can you say that you have a government that looks out for the, for the rights of the American people when you can't even control your borders for the last 40 years? And, and nobody pays attention because nobody, nobody's been trained to be curious educational failure across the board these children don't even know you know we grew up and they had uh, you know a, a bill on capitol hill all the you know the cartoons on channel nine on pbs you had cartoons that were educating children about how our government worked you don't see that anymore you don't have any interest in the education nobody is curious and therefore they are not seeking out the truth amen that's exactly how i see it you know if people were more curious about the circumstances that that are more worried about how their lives are being uh, manipulated for them, if they could just see it and understand it and really feel it, then they would start to do something about it. But what instead is happening is they're being propagandized. They are confused all the time. They're being lied to from every single angle. And what I think is happening to the casual observer is they've thrown their hands up in the air and said, I don't want to pay. I well, they pay keep it moving, too. Uh, the news cycle is every 10 minutes. Constant. There is a, there's a new narrative every other day. It's insane. Stick around, everybody. Segment number five. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. Show. Do you have tree problems and nobody to call? This is Rob Carter from The Rob Carter Show. Let me tell you about our sponsors at River City Tree Service. They do tree removal, tree trimming, anything trees. You got a stump to remove, they'll take care of it. Great sponsors, great guys. Give them a call if you need any tree service. 314-270-8071 or you can reach them at rivercitytreeservice.com. Once again, River City Tree Service, 314-270-8071. <laughs> Bob Carter Show. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. All right, everybody. Oddly enough, Phil, and I know you didn't know this, but when I was a kid, people would say, Welcome back, Cotter Carter, on top of each other. Welcome back, Cotter, from the 70s. 
You don't know that show at all, do you, Amir? <laughs> that was a very popular show in the 70s. Horshack, Washington. Oh, oh, oh. Vinny ooh. Barberino. You know the story. <laughs> oh, those were, th- those were good times. I was a kid, so they had to be good times. Everything was easy. I uh, want to get right back into the speaker's race, and then I want to move over to uh, this Whitney Webb interview. I'm going to tease it here just a minute. If you don't know who Whitney Webb is, Whitney Webb is somebody who does an enormous amount of research. She's wrote two books about connections between political people, uh, people in the media, people in corporations, and she ties these people together. Everybody thinks she's this Epstein reporter. That's uh, really not the case. She is exposing how the elite people in this country are tied together behind the scenes and who might be on whose team based on who they've been hanging with. So in the last, oh well, better half of this, seg- back half of this segment and in the sixth and final segment, I want to have that conversation because she's also talking about, uh, and I don't know if you guys have heard of this, uh, Woody Allen, there was a, um, there was a uh, audio released where Woody Allen is talking to Mia Farrow about the sexual molestation and or rape of their seven-year-old child. And I want to bring some information to your attention just about that particular scenario. But Woody Allen is still out in the world, married his own daughter that they adopted when she was nine years old. And I'm fascinated <laughs> that this guy walks around on the planet with like he's a normal person. Um, and there's she adds a little sunlight to it. So I want to talk about that here in just a bit. But before we just jump off the Speaker of the House conversation, I want to play one uh clip for you it is it is brad sherman it is clip number seven three if you'll get it ready for us brad sherman is doing an interview now brad sherman is from harvard so i always have a kind of a weird eye for these people from harvard because i think they are connected as the i think they have a lot to do with the one-party system i think they're on both sides of the aisle and i think they just play the game but brad sherman is a congressman this is what he said this is who he thinks now he's a democrat a liberal democrat this is who he said he would like to be the Speaker of the House. Clip number seven, three, go. Uh, I could see uh, President George W. Bush serving as, uh, as Speaker of the House. Uh, um, he, uh, he could come back and, you know, and obviously uh, uh, I, I'm not a real fan of how the Iraq war went, but uh, uh, I, I would think that any reasonable Republican uh, would be uh, somebody that Democrats could work with. Can you imagine this guy? Now, George Bush is a moron. George Bush led us into a war, an illegal war. His entire administration, whether they lied or misled, doesn't matter. When you bomb a sovereign nation into smithereens based on information that turns out to be true, I don't even know how you walk around in public. And this idiot, Brad Sherman, says that G.W. Bush, who's 75 years old, should be the Speaker of the House. It's only more, it's only more evidence that this thing is completely contrived, in my personal opinion. Let me give you just a couple more. Uh, if you'll get 5-5 five, five ready for me. This is a guy named Burkett. Now, he's being, uh, he came out and said uh, originally that we should get rid of Kevin McCarthy, that he reneged on a bunch of agreements. Uh, but he has been talking about the corruption in the country. Just listen to this very short soundbite. This is 5-5. Five, five. Because it, uh, the American public would say, why are you covering this up? I guess you could say, why are they still covering up Kennedy? The, the Kennedy assassination. There's nothing there. I mean, it's been over 50 years. Everybody's dead. This is about power. It's about control. It's about money. It's about greed and corruption. And that's what runs this country right now. And that's a disgrace. And I think within politics, all of those things exist naturally. I just think they, for me, the the crossing of the line was COVID. For me, that was the end of it. The wars, you know, I just never understand exactly what's going on in war because I understand that war propaganda is going to 
it's going to persuade me to believe something that may not be real because uh, the propagandists are very good at it. But when your own country tells you that you can't travel and that you have to lose your job, 3.3 million businesses were affected. When the president of the United States comes out and starts calling people essential voters and non-essential, I mean, essential workers and non-essential workers. You might be onto something there, essential voters versus non-essential voters. It was a slip of the tongue, but it worked out perfectly, didn't it? Um, and then tell you that you have to stick a needle in your arm just to be not demonized within the press and within the political establishment. That is when you raise your eyebrows and go, how far will these people take us? What are they willing to do? Uh, because these vaccines or gene therapies, whatever you want to call them, certainly 15, 16, 18, 20, 25 year old kids didn't need them. I personally don't believe anybody needed them. I think they could have been treated from the very beginning and those treatments were restricted. But uh, let's just say that they helped people over 79 and a half years old. Why was everybody mandated to take them? And why were we getting cards sent out to us, the COVID pass, so that we could travel around? Why were uh, people being arrested in New York City going into restaurants that weren't vaccinated? When I'm not vaccinated, Barry's not vaccinated, nobody in my family's vaccinated. I was traveling the entire country at the, at the, as it was going on, and yet everybody hated me at the time because I said, I'm not getting vaccinated. At F you, there's not a chance in the world I'm sticking a needle in my arm by force for something I'm not worried about at all. That, to me, was where you go, wait a minute, our government's moving down a line here, and people just ignore it. Uh, there's a lot of people out in social media right now saying, how can people ignore COVID when it was such a gigantic con job? Even if, like Phil and I were talking earlier, Phil said, I think people uh, may have just used the pandemic for their own benefits. I believe that it was planned. I, you know, Can you prove it was planned? I think you can prove it was planned because you have the Rockefeller uh, Foundation giving out a, 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 a report on what you could do around a, a, a pandemic in 2010. You had the Event 201 where you have Avril Haines from the CIA being involved with his Event 201, which was a pandemic preparedness exercise in October of 2019. And then within a few weeks... Here we are with COVID, and they're running the game plan that they just had put into play a few weeks before they announced it, but nobody in the media reported on it. That's always why I say that's that's when you know something's up, because that is too... If you're a journalist and you say, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that multiple countries were involved in a pandemic preparedness exercise at Johns Hopkins University, where it's one of my club schools where the CI people are groomed, and that happened in October of 2019. No reporter at Fox News thought that was an interesting case to cover. Nobody at CNN thought that was an interesting case to cover. MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS. Nobody thought that was interesting, that they're preparing for a pandemic in October of 2019, and not one person thought of asking the questions Outside is what was going on there? Rails. What was Out going on there? Why were you guys having this exercise and why? Because you could watch it on YouTube when they were doing this. And this is how you kind of know that a lot of stuff on social media is fake. They would have these, uh, it would look like somebody was in a studio giving out information about COVID. They were practicing how the media was supposed to address the people uh, pushing back against the COVID uh, protocols, if you will. And they they told the media how to answer the questions, and then the media went out and answered the questions the exact same way, and they go, wait a minute, so that, that does make sense with the Mockingbird Press. If they are doing a preparedness exercise where they tell you how to answer the questions when the citizens start to push back against COVID, and then you see your press do the exact same thing that they prepared for in 2019 in October. I just To me, that's tic-tac-toe. I don't think it could be much more uh, complicated than that. There's no way that's a coincidence. If it is, it's a great... It's a, it's a pretty great coincidence, if you ask me. Uh, one other one I want to play, because I think this is fantastic. This is Megyn Kelly, 
who just interviewed Donald Trump recently. Uh, she's had enough, and she feels a little bit as I do about the Speaker of the House race. This is clip number five, six, Megyn Kelly. We actually did just hear this morning that now Jim Jordan says he's going to support the temporary speaker staying as temporary speaker. Okay. I mean, honestly, like, I haven't been covering this much at all. I couldn't give a shit. I'm so pissed. Like, they all suck. Get back to me when you have a decision. I, I don't... I don't respect any of you. I can't stand you people. You can't run like a very simple body. It's not like you're a senator. You're really not even that important. You don't have that many responsibilities. All you have to do is run for re-election every two years. I mean, really, like it's, you can have absolutely no education and no, know nothing about life and win a seat in U.S. Congress. Hi, Ilan Omar. Hi, Rashida Tlaib. Hi, Cory Bush. You may be the worst of them all. Just a stupido, okay? So I, I don't care. Get your in order the republicans just as bad almost i wouldn't say just but almost as bad so get back to me when you have somebody and that's i think that's the way the vast majority of citizens feel i think they look at it and see it as just an absolute clown show uh nothing ever gets done for the american people except spending our money raising inflation having us fight creating all of the scenarios where we're constantly fighting now i want to get into and I, because I want to, want to spend some time on this because I really want to get people's opinions on this particular conversation. This is the Patrick Bet David podcast. I've been talking about it a lot because we are building a podcast here. One of the reasons I wanted to do this is because we have a video podcast that we're trying to get into operation. And I want it to be, if I can get enough steam behind it, I would like to bring on people and ask them very difficult questions, not in a disrespectful way. If I had Donald Trump before me, I would not be disrespectful to Donald Trump. But I got some questions that I think Donald Trump, as being a servant to me, not the other way around, that he should be willing to answer. I think when you become president of the United States and you're asking questions about policy, things you promised and things that didn't get done, you have to answer those questions. I don't think that I'm asking too much. I don't think I'm a conspiracy theorist for saying, hey, you did a couple things that you told me you, were, you, you didn't do a couple things you told me you were going to do. Let's talk about this and how it went down. We should be able to have those conversations. I don't think Donald Trump should be going on uh, with these, uh, with all the establishment press, whether they're for him or against him, because it adds nothing. We don't learn anything from it. We want to learn why you made the decisions. Why did you put Burks and Fauci in, in charge of, uh, of of the COVID response? Why why did that happen? Why did you say you were going to eliminate the debt and add eight trillion dollars worth of debt, and then say that Joe Biden created all the inflation? That's just simply not true. Um, as you said earlier, the Republicans were in charge and were what fourteen trillion dollars uh, over the last what decade? Correct. So you know you're looking at those things, going, wait a minute, we're getting gamed here. It doesn't really matter who we vote in because the the road is going in one direction, and I would like citizens to stop it. Now this Whitney Webb tries to she looks at politics the way I do. I look at things not necessarily through association. But when, when you have mentors, when you have people you did business with, when you have people that you've been in, in, in friends with for 20, 25 years, I, I can tell you right now that everybody in this room, if they needed me at some point, I'm not going to stab anybody in the back, right? So you can understand the psychology of being familiar with somebody who is corrupt and not wanting to spill the beans on that corruption. You can see how the whole thing begins to play out. So she ties everybody together. Uh, she tells you who was involved with who and how things went down. And she does a lot of it just through uh, through open source research and research coming out of Congress that is just fascinating. She talks about Trump in this particular uh, clip a couple of times because the Patrick Bet David show is very pro-Trump. And they said, you know, of all of the institutions that are out there, the FBI, the CIA, all these institutions, which ones do, do they actually like Trump? So she's defending uh 
she's defending herself for not being a Trump fan because he's saying all the people that you despise also despise Trump. Same thing, same argument I make. He's the enemy of our enemy, therefore he's our friend. And I just worry that that might not be the case. So if we could, uh, Phil, clip number 8-1, and then we'll open it up for discussion. 8-1. I guess... Here's here's the thing that really concerns me about Trump as it relates to national sovereignty. Recently, he did an interview and he said something about um, about Israel, about how Israel essentially, he said it, controls Congress and how he thought that was a good thing. Okay, so regardless of how you feel about Israel, Zionism, the U.S.-Israel relationship, I do not think it's a good sign to have your nationalist politicians say uh, a, a foreign power rightfully unduly influences our national Congress. Now, that was that's a clip from months ago. This is way before Hamas and Israel. What, I mean, what do you think when you hear something like that where he says, you know, I think it's a good thing that the Israeli, uh, the Israeli government or the Israeli machine has control over our Congress? I think it's impossible. But nobody even knows that he said it. I've never heard that before. <laughs> exactly. Nobody even knows that he right. said it. There's a lot of things that he says that nobody even knows that he said. But yeah. what, I mean, what is your take on that when you hear something like that? knowing that she said this prior to Hamas and Israel going down, that our government is basically being handled, that that Israel has control over our Congress. And then sure enough, just she says this prior. And then a few months later, we're in a war where we're sending these people $100 billion and $100 million to Hamas. Well, I'm, I'm very curious, Rob, and I think everybody should be. And I don't, I'm curious about the context. I mean, does is, is Israel control the United States, or are we talking about a, 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 flag, a policy? You know, the Israeli policy in the United States is controlled by Israel. That's more believable than the United States is governed wanna, by Israel. Great question. I'll find that clip for you, because I, I believe she's saying that they basically controlled our Congress, and he said that he thought that was a good thing, but I'll find it for you. Um, one more. There's not a trail. There's, there's generally no way to prove any of this stuff. You just got to go, you know, use your hunches. Eight, two. Uh, this is another uh, conversation with Trump and Israel. I'm not an expert on, on like Trump stuff necessarily, but I personally don't trust any politician, especially one that gets to that level. I do think, though, that it is important, in my opinion, to push for national sovereignty and things like that. What, what, what I mentioned with Israel, that does concern me because Israel's foreign policy objectives or policy objectives as it relates to the United States do not always coincide with American, uh, the American national interest. The Iraq war is a huge example of that. Netanyahu being like positive reverberations around the region. You had the Wexner Foundation, which was tied up with Israel at that time, yeah. trying to develop talking points to push us into Iraq and all of this stuff. Uh, that cost American lives, cost American money, obviously, and all sorts, you know, millions of innocent people dead in, in the Middle East. There's a lot to unpack. I want to get back into that conversation. We've got just a few seconds left in this segment. When we get back, I want to finish the conversation about Whitney Webb and the research that she does. I recommend that everybody try and pay attention to Whitney Webb for just a bit. What's the, the information that she has out there that is, according to her, is documented would just blow your mind as to the people that we believe are so wonderful and then their backgrounds. So stick around. We're going to get into that in the final segment of this glorious Sunday evening. The Rob Carter Show. Because we got him on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. SR1 Sundays. The Rob Carter Show. What is he doing to me? Phil? I love when Phil cracks up when he plays a song as an intro and then he starts cracking up. I thought that was Shaft. <laughs> so, so close. 
I thought it was The Hustle. That's The Four Seasons? I don't remember that one. I like it, though, but I like The Four Seasons. I saw their play in uh, New York City. Fabulous. Jersey Boys, excellent. All right, let me jump in because I don't have enough time to get through this, I don't think, but I'm going to try to. I want to go right back into So we're talking about and trying to tie some of these things together. The reason I bring this particular part up with Whitney Webb and her conversation about Trump and Israel is because this was done prior to the attack by Hamas on Israel, and she's showing you the uh, she's showing the connections between Trump, uh, well, Trump ignoring a lot of things that were going on within this country. Play number eight three, and I'll explain it right after this because I think I, it, the, the clip is better. Eight three. I mean, even the Trump White House, uh, the FBI found Stingray devices that were Israel's government spying on the Trump White House. Nothing was done. Uh, And there's a lot of things going back. Uh, Robert Maxwell sold bugged software on behalf of Israel to our nuke facilities at Sandia Los Alamos lab. Henry Kissinger told him who to pay off. Nothing happened to Henry Kissinger. John Tower was the guy he paid off. Former head of the Senate Armed Services Committee opened the door for Maxwell to sell this bug software. And then they take our nuclear secrets and then they sell it on to China. See, now this is what a journalist would do. If we had a society that could hold two thoughts at one time, you would have journalists saying, wait a minute, let me walk through, just like you said when you were a kid, you know, how a bill is made and all Sesame Street and electric company, all this stuff. You would have journalists who would say, listen, this is really important because we are the safeguards for, for freedom. We are the ones that hold power accountable. That's what the press is supposed to be doing. And here is what these people are doing behind your scenes. And this is all documented through court cases and through uh, newspaper reportings. You know, there's there's information out there. Where are the where are the reporters asking the questions? I simply don't understand why we can't ask who works for who. Does the government work for us or not? If the government is supposed to work for us and they are servants, where are the questions about these assertions? I just want to hear somebody ask the questions now. There's just one more I want to play before I get into the pedophilia stuff. If you could, uh, Phil, uh, clip number 6-3. So this is Bibi Netanyahu. He is, he, his entire country had to get vaccinated. And here's why he describes, this is how he describes that situation. This is Bibi Netanyahu, clip number 6-3. We came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Bourla, Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the the lab for Pfizer. How would you like to have a leader that says our people are going to be the lab for a pharmaceutical company? And by the way, Charlie Kirk. Uh, Charlie Kirk came out recently and said that there were huge demonstrations planned against Bibi Netanyahu right before this attack on on Israel. Uh, you've had multiple reporters out there, Kim Iverson. There's several. Um, I mentioned one last week, Efrigan or something of this nature. And Charlie Kirk said they've been to Israel. There is a along the fence. There is a soldier every ten feet. How in the world did Hamas put hang gliders with people inside of them across their border and stay in there within six hours? Six hours killing and taking hostages, and there's no response from the Israeli defense. uh, The Israeli defenses, there's no response. 
So you ask yourself again, are we being manipulated into a war? Or are all these things just happenstances? Is everybody just dumb? Are our borders wide open? Can they not defend their... They know that they got an enemy right across the fence, uh, according to the Israeli government. You don't protect your people. You don't, you don't have... They can walk in there for six hours and you have no defenses for it. Again, doesn't make any sense to me. Let me shift back because I want to get into this Whitney Webb. This is the pedophilia story because these are the stories that I find just crazy interesting. This is clip number eight, four. Check this out. You know, in my book, I talk about how these types of operations, whether it's, you know, whether it's Epstein, whether it's the Franklin scandal, this stuff has been going on for a really long time. And even people that are ex-CIA, like John Kiriakou, have said, like, yeah, like when we want to, you know, recruit a source, if they ask for a kid to sexually abuse, we give it to them. Unbelievable. Why do we do that? And this is why I get, you know, it's so frustrating because Americans have been sold a vision of their government, a vision of their intelligence community and military that is so divorced from this. And I mean, I, I just think it's really time that, you know, do we really represent the values that we project around the world that we're supposed to have internalized uh, or no? I, I don't think we do because we've allowed our country to be run by literal monsters and criminals and people act like it's fine. And, you know, as long as we act like, you know, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. No, there is stuff you can do about it. And the first step is to get angry. That's it's kind of where I'm at. I've gotten angry. I've gotten very frustrated with watching this nonsense go down. That's the setup. For this Woody Allen, because I do a lot of research on what goes on with the pedophilia stories that uh, everybody seems to think are not true. Uh, Phil and I talk about it all the time. When you have people coming across the border going to sponsors, and then when you call, the federal government calls to find out the kids that are with these sponsors and they can't find the kids. And there's hundreds of thousands of these kids that are being shipped across our border and going to what I would say is, is nothing more than a pedophile ring. And our country just marches forward like it's not happening. I find that very disturbing. I don't know what cro- I don't know what is the line cross for a lot of people. What makes them stand up and go, you know what? That's just a bridge too far. That's too much for us. We got it. We we have to get involved in our government. I'm starting to wonder whether anything would get uh, the populace mad. I don't know that as long as they have enough food and enough Netflix and they can watch their ball games on television. I don't know that this country is going to get involved involved at all. What do you come on, Peter? You go out and you knock on doors and you talk to the citizens. What do you think that they can be galvanized to take back their government? Well, I don't know. What is the uh, Impossible Burger? You know, you start serving that every day, people are going to get upset. You tell people are going to start eating bugs, they're going to get upset. And they're they're pretty close to pulling that stuff uh, now. I hope you're right. And, and I do think people are waking up. People are being curious now. As far as the pedophilia stuff, I'm not that curious about that stuff. But uh, you know, it's awful. I don't have any bandwidth for it. Uh, you know, I've got daughters of my own. You don't uh, like to think about it. Like no, ninety nine point like nine percent of the people in the world. Well, sure, but you know, we, we we have lost our country has lost eighty five thousand that we know about migrant children that have come across, and you know, uh, the the you hope that it's just something as as uh, stupid as child labor that oh the, these children aren't being abused they're just you know cleaning up slaughterhouses at four a.m. Hopefully that's just the case. That's absolutely you know, not, right. Not that that's a good thing, but it's certainly better than sexual abuse of children and minors and and uh, for for sex trade. I you know that that stuff is you know. I, those waters are dark, very deep, and uh, you know, I, and, and I very think, deep. And I think that's a, a reason a lot of it doesn't go questioned is because it is just a little too dark for most people's minds to wrap around. But check this out: this is Woody Allen because Woody Allen, 
everybody knows this story about marrying his daughter, but this is a setup. So this guy is talking about Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. They have a child that they adopted, a seven-year-old named um, uh, Dylan Farrow. Here is the setup. This is from the Patrick Bet David show. This is, again, when Whitney uh, Webb was on. But this is the setup to the clip I'm getting ready to play you. So first one is 8-7. I showed it to Pat yesterday. I, I got emotional in this prep meeting because it's Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's on the phone, and she's telling— Disturbing. It's, uh, I'm going to get emotional right now. She's, she's crying. Mind you, this is her adopted daughter. Yeah. And describing what— the uh, the rape and the abuse that he did to a seven-year-old girl and pat heard this and he was in shock we had to hear it twice so if it's right this is a tapped phone call from woody allen talking to mia farrow and this is they're talking about dylan who yeah. was the seven-year-old at the time and what she played, went Ron. through you have to wait beyond that now. What you've done to Sunny, what you've done to, to, to Dylan, what you've done to Dylan, Dylan's a baby. How could you do that to her? I don't know anything of the kind. I know what Dylan tells me. You've told me nothing but lies. Dylan tells the truth inconsistently. No, I don't know that, Woody. I've always, always been worried about you and Dylan. And I didn't know the doctor had to report this to the authorities. I didn't know that. I went just to be sure she was all right. Walks the streets, Woody Allen, and uh, she makes a comment that Noam Chomsky was asked about Woody Allen. He said, Woody Allen is a great artist, meaning what? I don't know. But the story that um, uh, Woody Allen married his, his adopted daughter, right? Married his adopted daughter. So now we know that we have a pedophile in our midst. You would assume that Woody Allen is a pedophile. This becomes public in 1992. So in 1992, the public was made aware, and Woody Allen is from New York. It's made public in 1992 that Woody Allen is involved with many, many different people. Uh, go through these Lawrence Summers, Reed Hoffman, uh, Ehud Barak from Israel. He's attached to all of these people, Woody Allen, according to Whitney Webb. Information about Woody Allen and his daughter becomes public in 1992, and Woody Allen marries his adopted daughter in 1997. In 1998, because these are the connections that I look for, I just like, well, could Woody Allen be attached to Donald Trump? Sure enough, Donald Trump does a movie where he does a cameo in 1998 with Woody Allen. Now, I'm just asking the room. If you know somebody who married their, their daughter that they adopted when the daughter was nine years old, there's all kinds of rumors that have been going on for a long time about Woody Allen because as soon as that became public, the rumor mill started going. And I think Donald Trump knows what goes on with the rumor well. 
He was in a movie called Celebrity in 1998 with Woody Allen and then becomes president of the United States. And nobody says, hey, what do you think of Woody Allen? Nobody thinks, hey, I got all these videos and pictures of you with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You might think that that person knows a little bit more than what they're telling you. And with all of the things that are going on in our country that seem absurd and just seem a little bit orchestrated, again, this is the same thing I talk about all the time. Why are there just no questions? And why are these associations too crazy to make anything out of? If you were had married a, a, a daughter of yours that you adopted, I'm not hanging with you. We're not hanging out. Period. Barry, if you do it, we're not hanging out. That's the end of our relationship. If you marry your daughter, I'm out. We're not, we can't hang together. But nobody even asked the questions. 1992, it was public. Donald Trump does a movie with Woody Allen in 1998. And that's kind of the thing Whitney Webb was talking about. Who are these people? Do, are they really the people that you believe they are? She says, she makes a comment, and you might have heard it earlier, I don't trust anybody that gets to that level of power. I don't think that the elections are in a, in a, in a, in a uh, situation where you just you, you get to come over and take over in the elections uh, or get, be president in this country unless you got some corruption in your background. But for some reason, everybody thinks Donald Trump's is, uh, he's, you know, he's clean as a whistle. Barry, am I crazy? Am I crazy to make that assumption that some, somebody should ask those questions? Somebody has to ask those questions. It's, uh, and, and what about the, uh, doing this movie after that was public? What do you think of that? And he's the president of the United States. You're basically doing a movie with a pedophile. And he knew it. You had to have known it. There's no way that Donald Trump in the media uh, capital of the world, New York City, didn't know what was up with Woody Allen. He wouldn't call. Uh, he wouldn't call out Epstein. And then his DOJ with Bill Barr. That's when Jeffrey Epstein gets whatever happened in that prison. You would assume he was murdered. That happens under Donald Trump's watch with his DOJ guy, Bill Barr. Bill Barr's the same guy that came out after the election, said nothing to see here. Everything was just fine. There was no corruption. This was one of the cleanest elections we've ever had. This is Bill Barr. This is the guy that he put after in there. After how long a study? Because Chris Christie. How much research did he do? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't know that you have to do some to be president, don't you? No, no. Bill Barr. Well, Bill Barr didn't do any. He didn't do it right. They didn't do any. So, I mean, anybody else got any opinions on that? I mean, does it seem, does that seem normal to you? Does that seem like something a normal person would do to go work with somebody who is being charged of pedophilia and marry their daughter? You can't even make sense of it. Peter, am I crazy to think that? You am know, I, I'm, gl I'm glad you're curious. Uh, and and I think, you know, the same thing that you do is, you know, you, you get a sense, you get a feel. Um, you don't want to be around those people and you make darn sure you're not around those people. And as far as, you know, going beyond that, anybody else's, you know, if they, they know or they don't know, I don't know, but stay curious. Well, stay curious because you got to ask the questions. Absolutely. How do we have a how do we have a country without a functioning press? That's my that's the biggest problem I have when I look around the country and here in a, in, in Missouri, there's not enough curious people. Well, curiosity will breed some good questions, right? How do we get those people in here? Can you help me get these people in here? I'll I do got my some best. questions for them, and I'll be nice. I will be nice. I'll be respectful. And you are respectful. I would be respectful, even to the people I disagree with. I want to hear what they have to say. That's all I got for you, everybody. Have a great Sunday evening. Nick Schroer warming up in the bullpen. Stand and fight. We'll be right back. The Rock Carter Show. S.